Huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to the Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, March 3rd, 2022, and it's raining in California for the first time this year. We're not actually, you actually have rain? Maybe you actually oh. have rain in the North Bay? I, I'm raining. You got sun da- sunshine down there? It's no? like a call I wouldn't say it's sunshine, but it's down. not rain. They threatened rain, but it's like a jungle I think sometimes. they were joking. We don't really have rain in, uh, down here. No rain in California, not these parts. Yeah, you can't have those uh, rich venture capitalists getting wet down there, you know, so... Yeah, it's it's more that they're more concerned about their Teslas. <laughs> Watching the Tesla. Teslas. You yeah. can't get those Teslas wet. What's up, yeah. man? How are you? Doing all right. Yeah, it's uh it's already March. It's already March. I can't believe how fast this year has started. Um, and we're doing all right here on this podcast, and uh the world's messed up, but I'm not gonna get into that right now. Nothing so, okay, wait a sec, wait a sec. You can't just gloss over the war in Ukraine just like that like that, man. Like it's no, no, it's, there's like news outlets for that, dude. This is like well, no, but just like just from a comms perspective, just real quick. I know we got a guest, Dave. Just take your time. But from from a comms perspective, it is kind of fascinating to look at that. Where like Russia is positioning this as like you know huge success, and they're rolling through Ukraine, and it's you know victory for Russia and its people. And obviously, the West is saying something different. But like the like I was thinking, like is it a comms success when uh, you know when the world kind of looks at what you're saying and goes you know, calls bullshit and the people that you're, you know, your citizens are, are kind of also looking at it and going like, this is lousy for us. And it, you know, makes us look bad and we're the outcasts of the world. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting comms case study in a way, don't you think? Uh, dude, it's war. <laughs> war is messy. It's ugly. It's, it's a lot of things. And, uh, you know, we could, doing a whole hour on this show and i can get it and in fact i would love to get with the guest we could have a little bit of time with with that sure. on there but but dude like there there's it's fascinating so just really quickly and i don't mean to be dismissive of your question no there is so much going on here in a war that the whole world is paying attention to but it also includes new things that we have never seen before uh, namely around social media and on the ground reporting with videos and things like that. Yeah, that is and, crazy. That right? is crazy. And, yeah. and, the, and the propaganda that comes from Russia and the propaganda that comes from the West or the news that comes from the West and fact and fiction. And, you know, if you go on Twitter right now, you know, there's people reporting on the ground that I'm not seeing any of that on CNN or, or the New York Times or the Washington Post or you know, the Washington times, whatever it is, or Fox. So yeah. it's really, you could, you could get really rich into this. Uh, yeah. I not. think it's the first, the first, you know, war that's been, you know, uh, fought online in a lot of ways, right. In terms of uh, how the media reports it and how everyday citizens and, and kind of people that are dealing with it are reporting it. Anyway, yeah, I, mean, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to take us there, man, but I do think it's interesting Um and on a much lighter note, sort of, there's this whole like comms thing happening with Major League Baseball. Like we should talk about that at some point too, because I think that's 
a fascinating case study in spin and positioning too. I don't know if you've been following that, but baseball got locked out. Did you know that? You, you don't care. I kind of cared. I saw the headline, dude, and I was like, okay, whatever. I'm moving oh, on. Man, that's, that's sad. <laughs> dude. That's sad. All right. Well, anyway, let's get to our guest. We got a great guest. Let's talk about you know corporate com and. Yeah. That kind of thing today. No, dude, we got a fun part. This is one of my favorite parts of the corporate communications or communications at all. And today we're going to talk about media training. Hmm. And we have uh, our guest today is Deirdre Breckenridge. Deirdre, okay. welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, you almost got bumped for a war in Ukraine, uh, <laughs> but I had to. <laughs> I don't think there was any real risk of that, Dave. <laughs> I don't think there was any real risk of that. Uh, Deirdre, you're you're you can come on anytime. Thank you. More, Thank more you very not. much. Yep. No problem. So the, here's the story. So, um, you know, if you're a PR professional, you will get uh, invites from all the vendors out there, just like you would do in any job. You get uh, promotion from any vendors. Our vendors, Globe Newswire, Cision. I guess Globe Newswire is one of the ones I do, and they're they're owned by a company called Notified. Now they've changed their names a hundred times, and they had this big global online event. And every now and then I sign up for things that I think might be interesting. And I was like, oh, there's a media training one. I signed up, filled out the form. It was the only thing I wanted to see. I didn't want to see it talk about media, relation, uh, media relations, how to write a press release, how to use our tools. I was like, let me see what's going on with the media training part. And uh, Deirdre, that's how I came across your name. I saw your whole presentation and uh, we were looking for guests of the show. I was like, let me reach out to her. And you said yes to a stranger. Thank you for being here. Well, you're welcome. And, and thank you for going to my session and, and watching. <laughs> I'm, I was so happy to hear from you afterward. And of course I was going to say yes. How, how could I turn down this podcast? It's a long list of people who have turned this down before, Deirdre. You'd be in good, you'd be in good company. Uh, it is it so Dave, you guys met online. You stalked Deirdre. No, I didn't. No, I just stalked her. I just stalked her. I watched her presentation. I was like, okay. oh, this is this one's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, media training to me is it was one of the first things that I got fascinated with when I got in my PR career. So there's a guy named legendary media trainer named Maury Berman from Fleischman Hillard. Um, and his job was to fly around, do uh, in-person media training. And we, they charged thousands of dollars for this, like a lot of money for it. And Ma Maury had come from like, you know, the studios and uh, was like news stations and he had a lot of credibility. He was really good. And uh, they'd set up these cameras like back in the day, and we would do these videotape, VCH tape, VHS tapes, and they'd record it. And then they would do a training and then they would practice run and then they would watch each other and critique each other. And, you know, there was all kinds of stuff to it. But when I actually got to sit in one, actually, it just blew my mind because it was more than just media training. It was actually full on presentation training and really comms training and how to get your point across very clearly and effectively, and like ever since then, I've been trying to attend as many as those, and I've worked with many media trainers across uh, my career, and I've also done a lot of media training for that. And so I'm always interested to see that. What Deirdre had was a totally different way of approaching it. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. And it was like really simple, and I had not heard it before. And then there's also modern ways of doing this. We're doing this right now. Back in the day, you did a phone call 
or you went into a studio or you did a radio interview on a phone. Now we're talking about things on Zoom. Uh, no, I don't even pick up the phone anymore, you know, and, uh, and the video is sometimes your camera, I mean, your phone camera. So it's really changed. And that's what we want to talk about today. So just before we go into it, tell us about yourself, what you do, how you got into this. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm going to give you a very condensed version. I've been a storyteller for over 30 years, agency owner. I mean, I always worked for other agencies, uh, then became an agency owner and now consultant, trainer, coach. And the whole time it's always been about the media and how the media has changed. And my media training of the past with corporate I always felt was appropriate for the time, but there's reinvention and look where we are today. So as a storyteller, you have to go out there and realize that when you're training people, it's not just what they want to share. It's not just the talking points and the messaging. So my program as a trainer, as a storyteller is to meet the passion where it lies and to make sure that you understand the changes in the media and how to build relationships through the media and with the media. And I just take an approach that I think brings emotional intelligence where it's not just, okay, I'm going to share my talking points, but I'm actually really going to tune in and do some things differently. And I think that's what you experienced in the notified presentation. So PR for 30 years, media training the whole time along, and this last leg is emotional intelligence and feel in your training. Dear Drive, I have a confession to make. Um, I've been doing PR for 30 years. I, I am not a huge advocate for media training. Not, not that I don't think some sort of training is important, but like my recollection, like kind of how I got introduced to media training, Dave, you might remember this too, was when Dave and I were at Fleischman Hillard. And I don't know, maybe my first week on the job, they gave us like a, um, a laminated piece of paper and it had like seven steps for talking to the media. I don't remember most of them, but it was like, you know, basically don't say anything you don't want used against you and, you know, be honest and, uh, you know, and block and bridge. Those are the three things that I remember basically. So I think like the reality of media training is probably somewhere between what, you know, Dave was describing and, and what you do and, you know, kind of the obviously more simplified version that I, kind of follow. So, so kind of what, what's, what's that middle ground look like? Like, am, am I, what am I missing? Why is it more complicated than, than I realize? I think the middle ground is understanding that nobody cares anymore about your talking points. And yes, a lot of the do's and don'ts, sure, they're important, but you're going to show up and you're going to talk about things that you're not, you don't expect. Let's put it that way. And if you're not at a place of awareness and calm and on your toes, you're going to make a big mess and it's not going to go the right way. Conversations will shut down. There will be knee jerk reactions. It'll be uncomfortable. I train this middle ground is to be able to get to a point of what you need to share your passion to meet the potential of what everybody else cares about. And that's more understanding the media, the landscape, their agenda, and how you can build and really 
build relationships. This is an opportunity. We talk, we've been talking about being the go-to media expert back in the day, maybe what you're referring to is, oh, bring your talking points. And then when your news goes out and you get one interview, the CEO says, well, why did I only have one interview? Well, because you basically just showed up and shared what you said. You're not building a relationship. The middle ground is the ability to show up, share what you need to, but then tap into what others really need, have those conversations and be the person they want to come back on their show or they want to quote in their articles. And I think that's where the, the best part of media training lies today. Let, let me let me push yeah, back a little sense. bit on let me push back on Kevin a little bit. So I, I, I suppose it wouldn't be an episode of the embargo, Dave, if you did. Yeah, if I didn't push back, right? You know, I just got done hyping up media training, and you're like, I don't believe in it. <laughs> it's not but just just to clarify, like it's not that I don't think it's good to think about what you're gonna do and like have a plan and a strategy and like and I, by the way, I think Deirdre's point about like kind of listening, right? I think that's what you're saying, listening as mm-hmm. much as talking and really understanding what you're, you know, the, the people that you're talking to, they have viewers, they have listeners, they have readers. What do they want to hear? How can you, you know, share something that's engaging and, and kind of build that rapport with the journalists? I, I get all that. And I think it's important, but like, I just like formal programs. And I think Dave, like you hit on it before, like sometimes they can be overblown. They can be very expensive. That's why I was asking about like what that middle ground space. And I do want to dig into that and understand what a, what a use case Deirdre might look like, but Dave, go ahead and push back. Yeah, well, no, so like, I want to know what kind of, you work with a lot of startups. We, I work with a lot of startups. We all work with companies that have never been in the media before. Yeah. How do you train them? And then I want to hear some disaster stories too, Kevin, because I know somebody's gotten on the phone and just blew it. Yeah. Which is, by the way, sometimes a really good experience and, you know, it's a learning experience. Making mistakes is always like that. So I, like, I have clients for the most part, um, you know, if there's the, if it's the first time they've talked to press, if they really don't know what they're doing, then I'll kind of give them a sense of what they can expect. So these are the kinds of questions that you're likely to get. Let's think about how you might answer them in advance. Where else might this conversation go? To Deirdre's point, like what what's unexpected? What might happen that you're not you know not looking out for? And how would we respond to that? What are two or three things we want to make sure we get across? And then just some of the basics, like. Hey, if you share this with a reporter, they are likely to run it in their story. So don't say anything that you don't want to see in print. And then finally, like if you get a question that you just don't know the answer to or don't know you don't know if you want to answer, it's okay to say, I don't have the answer to that, or I'm going to get back to you, or you know, switch to a different topic. And I think all those things are kind of basic media, you know, training principles. So yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how I prepare a client. And it's usually you know, it's, it's, I, I agree, you know, it's probably kind of a, you know, I think it's a pretty simplified approach, but it's been very effective for my clients, I think over the last whatever. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's why I'm trying to understand like what else, what am I missing, right? Deirdre, what, what am I missing? What do I need to kind of add to that, um, to that approach to help my clients more? So I think also it's teaching your clients to not only listen to what they're being asked and to be present. But when you're, let's just say you're in studio because there was a time I used to have a show uh, right in Times Square. It was for NASDAQ before NASDAQ, their uh, media division. And I think it was Global Wire was acquired by West and now it's notified. I used to work with them and, and I had a broadcast show 
out of their market site in Times Square. And I was the host of the show and we would be in the studio and guests would come in. So now I don't just wear a PR person's hat and media trainer hat. I'm also a blogger. I'm a podcaster. And I had this show in studio. And what's interesting is that guests who would come in, some were media trained, some weren't, but they never cued into my body language. They were always so worried about, and they look great, how they showed up, their executive presence, what their hands were doing. But in essence, when we all get back in person and there's opportunity to be in studio and be together, or you're out on stage and you're presenting, it's you have to be watching cues, whether it's your audience, whether it's the person interviewing you. And it's going to show in the face. It's going to show what they do with their shoulders, their head, their arms. So media training today with a feel lens, new media training, means you know what your body is doing and how you're expressing yourself and you're aligned verbally and non-verbally. But also that person, what are they doing? Does that host of the show want you to move on? Are they reacting a certain way to what you're saying? Do you need to tone down your words and mirror them a little bit? That's the sweet spot of media training. And I think there's value in, in being able to be emotionally intelligent and to recognize what somebody else is going through and reacting to. Deirdre, how many of the people when you interviewed them, you knew weren't media trained? Or was everybody there trying to be, was already prepared? I mean, it's NASDAQ, so it's a business show. Obviously, they've got PR people. It's not like Joe off the street's going to walk up and be like, hey, I'm on TV. So these were, they were business professionals, but they were also in the PR realm. It was a PR influencer show. Okay. That, so that's number one. So we talked a lot about crisis and reputation management and new media. And yes, you can always tell when somebody is trained, the way they bridge over to their points, the way that they, uh, they're sitting up, their energy level, the way they move their hands. You can tell training. The people who aren't trained usually talk a lot don't let you jump in, don't realize it's a conversation. They sometimes don't bring the right energy. You try to bring them up. You can definitely spot it. And it's also, here's one that's really important. People who are media trained don't say annoying filler words over and over. Yeah, um, you know, like so, so, so. That's another way. And I do teach a technique called the power of the pause to get rid of annoying filler words. We still have filler words, but we just want to get rid of the annoying ones. They take away from credibility. Let, let's talk about your, your style. Cause you, what, what caught me was in your training were acronyms. And normally I'm a, you know, <laughs> I work in tech world and I'm like, geez, another acronym. What does it mean? You know, I mean, I'm stuck on ATM and that's all I know, but I have to know thousands. But yours were actually, I thought they were well thought out. I was like, oh, this is, it, it was relatable. And so you talk about two things. Let's, let's touch on one. It's calm and feel. And can you kind of walk us through what that means? Yes. Yeah, so calm 
And, and the word calm means calm, relax, but it's also celebrate all learning moments. When you are calm and you your voice cues, verbal cues, and your visual or body language is all aligned, you come across as calm. And when you're calm, no matter what happens, you can celebrate. And that's where I want people to enter into any conversation, knowing that no matter what, it's going to be okay. You can be calm. So that, that's one of my acronyms. The feel, that's a model that came out of, it's now a three-year study of not just millennials. This goes back, uh, long story short, my stepdaughter passed away. It was heartbreaking. And I jumped into a passion project to try to understand her death. And I wanted to talk to millennials. And I found out through over a hundred interviews and an online test that I built that millennials were looking for the people around them and for their leaders and their mentors and anybody they wanted to have a relationship with, they wanted them to feel. And that meant from all the stories that I heard, face fears, engage with empathy, live with ethics and good judgment and unleash the love. And that model, as we built the test and all generations were taking it, it became quite evident. You have to tune in, feel first, be emotionally intelligent and get a handle on all parts of feel in order to connect and truly understand what someone else is going through, tune into their situation, feel their passion, their love, what are their fears. And when you connect, if you put a feel lens on any engagement, you are more likely to build a relationship. That's what feel is. And when you train with feel, that simply means you're bringing your emotional intelligence, your ethics, your courage, you're being open and you're bringing your love. That's what it's about. That's a lot. I, you know, um, I, I was thinking about something as you were talking there. So that sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of effort on the part of the person doing the the speaking to media or whom you know whatever whatever communication you're putting out there. It seems like there's a lot of thought that goes into doing that well. Clearly, you know a lot of practice and training. Is it possible for someone to overthink that, to overtrain? I, I think about this like uh, you know um, one of my kids is a uh, is a baseball player and he practices his baseball swing a lot. And to the point where I think sometimes when he goes up to bat, he's thinking too much, right? He's not being natural. He's not being himself. He's not relaxed. He's not calm, right? Maybe, but he is well-trained. So what do you think? Like, is there, can you go overboard with media training? Can you go overboard trying to feel so much and trying to engage so much and listen so much? Is it possible? Maybe sometimes it's just better to just be yourself and be natural and authentic is, can you, can you do both? What do you think about that? I think you have to be natural and authentic. I think this media training brings out the best in you so that you can connect and bring out the best in somebody else. And you can all be best together. I don't know if you can ever, life is all about training and training is learning, 
We don't ever want to stop learning. Thinking too much, overthinking, going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that doesn't sound very good at all. You know, we don't set it up to stifle yourself. I mean, if you train too much, you're going to hurt your shoulder if you swing the bat too much. So I do think they're probably, you have to know yourself and when to, when training becomes to the point of, I'm actually going into a place where I'm not going to be my best, that would completely defeat everything that feel stands for. Maybe it's an, I don't know question and it's for every single person to evaluate, but if you're ever forcing anything, that that's just not, not good, not healthy, not going to bring out your best. Deirdre, I, I, what I hear you saying is, I mean, is to, to be engaged and authentic really. And I think as people, as we train media folks, like, so they're, some of them, they could be anybody from a product manager to a, a very passionate technologist or, you know, more distant CEO. But what we have to tell these business people is this, and I, I, I tell them, nobody knows this better than you do. And when you're talking to a journalist who's covering five, six, seven, a dozen things, you, your passion has to come through, right? And I think that kind of comes through in some of the things that you're teaching. Uh, if people feel that authenticity and, and engagement, I think it comes across a lot better in an interview. Like you really have to live. I know that when I'm passionate about a product, a service, a friend, a movement, whatever it is, it comes across a lot better. If I'm not into it, it's not, it's not going to be my thing. And, and like, we're like, nah, it's a fraud. Go away. They say that if, all the time. <laughs> if you're not into it, why would anybody else yeah. be into it? So all the folks who show up, whether most of the professionals who come on my podcast today, they all bring their energy and passion and it shows. It would be a rare occasion that somebody wouldn't be energetic for women worldwide. That's my podcast. But you do see often, maybe just look at the meetings we have. Everybody has Zoom fatigue. There's low energy. And when it comes to energy, you have a choice and an opportunity. The choice is bring your energy, bring it full on, raise somebody else up. And that's what happens. Your, your energy can either raise someone or you make the choice to fall down and lower your energy. And if you do that, then especially with the media, why would you get the call back? Why would the the conversation, why would they say, hey, stick around until after the break, want to talk to you more. Yeah. You know, when that happens, that you've got the right energy and you're, you're bringing your passion. The best media spokespeople I have, they're definitely passionate about it. They're very engaged. The other side of it is they really listen. And like you were saying, they watch for the body language and the mm -hmm. cues. And they're almost looking at the reporter saying, instead of, Instead of thinking, how can I get my message across? They're thinking, how can I help you? Honestly, like, like literally, how can I help you with your story, your presentation? Where are you taking this? Yep. I'll figure out how to get my message across. 
that no that's what. definitely a best practice. So, so, but just picking up on that, right, Dave, you asked about like bad experiences or, or clients situations where they've just made egregious mistakes with media. I was actually, uh, I had a client not too long ago that was on the phone with a reporter and one of my client's partners. And during the call, my client um, was praising the partner that was on the call, but at the same time, um, kind of bashing one of my client's other partners. And I think they were doing that and they just kind of didn't, didn't realize it, didn't get it. I think they thought they were flattering the partner that was on the call. Anyway, it, it all went sideways. So Deirdre, like, what are some things to, what are some, what are some tips, other best practices, like things to look out for? Like what would be some suggestions you've had, you'd have for, a, and we, we, most, a lot of the people I think to listen to our show are, are in the corporate world. They're in the tech space, maybe the enterprise software space. So what are some best practices or tips you might have for companies like that when they're doing, uh, doing press calls? Well, I think anything you say in an interview, just be ready for it to be everywhere. So if you're going to, if you're comfortable walking in front of five, 10, 20,000 people and bashing a partner, <laughs> then, you know, th that's what's going to play out through social media. Be, be aware what, what you say in the news or with any media professional, would you say that in front of everybody at your company? Would you say that to that other partner's face? I, I think when you put it into that context, you might step back. There's also knowing that sometimes you might be joking around, make sure you have the agenda down. So you might show up to an interview and everybody has different kinds of humor. It's almost when you receive an email, do you really understand the meaning of it? So you might show up and speak a certain way, but if you don't know the agenda, which is the attitude and bias, the goals of the media outlet, the education level, the narrative, their data, and how the public is affected by whatever the topic is, you could find yourself in trouble and you might be saying things that will get you into trouble. So that is a sure way to, that's the difference between old stodgy PR media training and media training today. It's not just your agenda, it's definitely their agenda and it's data focused and social media focused and that keeps you out of trouble. That's a great tip. Deirdre, you know what we do with stodgy PR? <laughs> Punch it in the face. There we go. Yeah. Today, today we punched stodgy media training in the face. How about that? That's to. a it's called a one-two punch. Right. That's right. Hey, Georgia, a question for you. So, uh, the way we engage with media has changed. What's what's the latest in media training? Zoom being one of them. I'm sure you can talk about that, right? So, oh, I could talk a lot about Zoom. I mean, I never thought, so I go out and I'm interviewed on TV by different affiliate stations across the country. I'm sharing feel, but not on the media training level or in business. I, I also share feel in the home, children and parents, just based on the situation, what happened with my stepdaughter. So we feel it's really important. And when I go out, I never thought that I would be doing a live Zoom interview. Go figure or even a tape Zoom interview. It's really strange. Where do you put your eyes? What's your lighting look like? 
it's really quite different. And I think you got a, a taste of that in the notified presentation, David. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that that is definitely when you can show up and know your Zoom and know where to position your body so the lower third is not hitting your chin and you're mirroring a little bit the background and the positioning of your host, you make that person look better. They look at you. They don't have to worry about you. The producer's happy. That goes a long way. It's just like if you were showing up in the studio and you were a pro and you understood that you have the conversation with the media person, you're not looking all around the studio or, or looking at a camera. It's the same thing. Yeah, so that, you know, that right there is a plus. Let's just pause on that. I have seen so many bad Zoom interviews, just horrific. Like just you know, they'll have a laptop and they're looking down at it and we're looking up at their nose, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then, or they'll have a horrible lighting or they'll have the wrong microphone. Uh, you know, the, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic, knock on wood, and maybe people are going back to office and maybe it'll be more normal. I think the world's changed permanently, if you ask me. But even then, even if it's a hybrid world, I would advise everybody to like, get a really good microphone, get a really good camera. You're going to do it for work. You know, it's one of these tools, right? You know, you're not going to go to a mechanic shop with just the cheap tools. You're actually going to want him to have really nice tools to work on your car. Do the same thing here. Uh, That's my advice to folks, because you're going to use it for quite some time and go ahead and invest in it because it's the way the world is working right now, honestly. Um, Absolutely. Lighting, invest in your lighting. You mentioned the microphone, invest in a a stand (laughs) for your desk so that nobody is looking up your nose. And plus, you don't want to be looking down on people. I shouldn't use these stack of books that I have my microphone sitting on. Oh, my gosh. No, I even talked about that. I did. I, I talked about that because once I had the book stacked underneath my laptop and I was giving a presentation and I, I'm an illustrator. I love to use my hand. My brain tells my hand when to emphasize. And I knocked the laptop and the books and it went flying. So, you know, the stand is so much more sturdy. It's, it's much better. If you tap it, it doesn't move. All right. I'll go out and get one. Dave, good. You, good, send, good, good. send me one, Dave. We only took a year to get your microphone right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. This well, cool. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Uh, anything else for our audience and our crew that you want to talk about that we might have missed along the way? I, you, we touched on listening just a little bit. And I would like to say that we all we always wonder, why isn't anybody listening (laughs) to me? Well, you have to be a good listener in order for people to listen. So perhaps what I would recommend is when you're in your meetings or your conversations or wherever you are, let somebody else go first. And you just sit back, take it all in, don't interrupt, Have that good eye contact, show them with your body that you are listening, take notes so you can ask better questions, ask people to clarify because then they know, oh, you're interested and you're listening. And when you do that, they will 
listen to you. Do it enough, then you won't, won't have to wonder why isn't anybody, why doesn't anybody care? <laughs> yeah, back to, back to your point before, it's kind of how you build a good relationship with anyone, right? Yes. Whether it's a reporter or your spouse or your kids or whomever, right? That's a great, uh, it's a great point. Start by listening. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the listening part is powerful. And you combine that with a pause, uh, you know, you can get people's attention without actually saying anything. If you're listening intently, particularly if you're in the meeting in a room, you're listening and they're done talking and you pause and then there's, there's that moment of silence. Uh, and depending on what kind of, you know, if it's a negotiation or if it's just a casual talk, it, it's arresting for a lot of people. People are like, crap, I just said a lot of words. <laughs> He's not reacting or he or she's not reacting. What's supposed to happen here? And if you can take that and then respond in a way that is thoughtful, right? You can actually have a lot of effect. And I, I you know, I've seen a lot of people walk into rooms and, you, you know, you, and they're just jabbering away and there's somebody else listening. I had a boss that was like that. He he would look me in the eye, listen to me intently. Our good friend Doug Wiley is like this, Kevin. The hmm. dude will look you in the eye, and he looks me in the eye so often that it scares me. <laughs> but but he's listening too, and I hate it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've, he he looks at me and he's like, "I heard every word you say, and I'm be I'm waiting till you're done, but I'm still listening, and I'm going to respond." <laughs> right? It's just a it's a it's an amazing skill to have. It's some intimidating for a lot of folks too. Sure is. And that pause, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I find people can't handle silence. They mm. just need to fill every single second with a word and then it becomes meaningless words. If you're calm, if you set your level to calm is another point that I also wanted to drive home. When you're calm, your brain, there's two centers that are really important, the rational thinking center and the amygdala, which is your emotional center. When you're calm and you're breathing the right way, you're balancing those two centers and they're working in harmony. The minute you start feeling anxious and stressed, the amygdala is taking over, there's the fight or the flight, you, the rational center doesn't work, well, guess what? Then you get a whole bunch of gibberish in words and you're making less sense and it's meaningless. So that's why it is so important, the pauses, the calm, because it helps you to come across vocally very well, verbally, your word choice, meaningful, and your body language will just flow with everything completely aligned and you will be the aligned, influential communicator. And that's who you want out there speaking to the media. Dropping the science on our show here. Like, there you go. <laughs> I don't think the Dude. amygdala has ever made an appearance on the embargo. That's a first. <laughs> it's a really important part of the brain and we don't want it driving the bus. That's the other thing. Mm. Yeah. Don't you want, don't want the amygdala taking over. Deirdre, thank you for being on our show. It's really valuable stuff. Where can people find you to learn about more and go from there? Well, thank you. They can go to my website, DeirdreBreckenridge.com. They're going to learn a lot about feel and my training programs. 
You can also always, always connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm a LinkedIn learning instructor. So I have courses, public relations, marketing, competitive intelligence. Uh, and of course, I'm on Twitter. I'm at D Breckenridge. So you can find me there and ask a question. I'm always happy to chat. And answer. Or listen, they can find you there and listen. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yes. And I'll be listening too. There we go. Deirdre, thanks so much. You were great. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we, we have a song. We have a song for our guests that they picked and you picked. You want to tell us about it? Oh, yes. So I picked Under Pressure because I figured how perfect media training, being under pressure. You need to get calm. <laughs> you show up with your emotional intelligence. You need to feel. So I knew this song was coming up and then immediately I was like, how come we didn't pick this song? This is like yeah. this is no, a daily cool. thing for us. So again, thank Good you call. very much. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Have a great thank weekend. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.